All right. Uh, anyway, I, I want to share with you a word that the Lord dropped in my spirit this week. Um, uh, and I want to use this as my title, Yet I Will Rejoice. Preaching this morning out of Habakkuk. And try to say that real fast two or three times. Uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Uh, the third chapter, verses 16 through 19. I, I don't know about you, but I've had my share of, of uh, disappointments in life. Um, I know sometimes in certain settings people may look at you or they may look at me or they may look at your brother, your sister, your neighbor, and they may think because you are reasonably successful in certain areas of your life because you carry yourself with a certain amount of, maybe you have a certain you know, degree of swagger, or you, you carry yourself like you, you, know, you kind of know who you are. People assume that you haven't had any challenges, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Because you've, because you've attained that degree or because you got that job or you drive that car or you married that spouse or whatever, people think, well, you've got to go on. But you know what? I, I know that every single one of us in here has faced at various points in our lives disappointment. I know that th- this present season we're in is a very strange and disorienting season. Not unlike the disorientation that was so prevalent during the Old Testament period that we're talking about in, in that Habakkuk is living in back in, you know, six or seven centuries before Jesus came during the time when, when, when God's people, the Israelites, were experiencing uh, God's judgment for their, their uh, idolatry and their failure to follow and obey. And, and theologians in describing the, the, the process, particularly in the way it's, it's, brought, it's brought out in the Psalms, they speak of, of Israel experiencing disorientation as a people, and then God reorienting them. And then, of course, the cycle is that they sin some more, and so then they find themselves under God's judgment, and they find themselves disoriented. But I understand, I learned that word first when I was, trying, when I was learning to fly airplanes. Uh, I learned that you want, to make, you want to make certain that you don't fly into clouds if you're not instrument rated because you will become disoriented right. because your inner ear will, and what you see and what you feel uh, it will all conspire to deceive you and you will do something like fly your airplane into the ground or the side of a mountain or you'll get inverted or you'll stall and spin in because you become disoriented. A lot of God's people today are disoriented. A lot of us struggle with seasons of disorientation. It's not because we're bad people. It's not because we've done bad things. It's not because uh, that God has forgotten about us. It's because we live in a world that is still under the sway of sin and, uh, and, and a system that's still under the dominion of Satan. And so we find ourselves as God's people disoriented from time to time. And I think this is a season in many of our lives. It's a season in our history where I, I think it's characterized by, by a degree of disorientation. Uh, there are, there, we are living in the, in the older you are, the more as you move towards your your 50s and, and into that, that, sex, that time of life, the, the more you, and you've lived long enough to have gone through some stuff, and you, you, you look at the world around you and you wonder, you said, wow, uh, there was a degree of certainty and security and, 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 and safety and, and resolve that I would, would have hoped to have experienced in the world around me about it. We, you know, listen, I was, telling, I was telling a younger person yesterday, they didn't go in and I said, listen, I grew up... Uh, I grew up uh, in a world when something called the Cold War was going on, and they, the teacher would say, drop. And uh, see, now, the teacher say that now, that's some, like some kind of new dance move. 
It's like, oh, yeah. Well, the teacher would say drop, and we would, we would duck under the tables because, you know, we were lived under that threat of, of, of nuclear war, the Cold War, the tension, you know. And you look in the world around you now, and there's all this crazy stuff brewing in the world around us once again and continuing. And it's just, it's like there's so much uncertainty and so much. And I know, you know, I know that we as Christians, we know that, that Jesus is coming again. We know that God is in control. But you know what? We still read the news and we still, we st- we're still concerned about, the, we're still concerned about, uh, about things like population uh, and famine and, and death and killing and murder and wars. Uh, if you are a responsible biblical person who thinks soundly, you do not enjoy the prospect of wars jumping off all over the world uncontrolled. Uh, you, and yet this is the world we live in. There's just so much. And so, uh, and, and then when you put, take it down to our personal lives, there's, there's, there is disappointment and there is disorientation. There, is, there are struggles we go through. There are life stage things, right? You go through stuff when you're a teenager that, are, that are, pertain to that season of your life. When you're in your 20s and your 30s, every, every season seems to have its challenges. There are family issues, right? There's all kinds of stuff. The, the, I was reading this week that the, there were very strong prospects that large swaths of, of, of employment, as we know it, will be going away in coming decades because of, uh, you know, the rise of technology. No, not because of Trump. <laughs> but really, because the world around us is changing. I joked last week about my grandson driving his daddy's car. Not for real, but... And, and the joke was that, you know, poor kid will... If you know if the world goes to driverless cars, we'll never know the joy of tooling down the highway like you know we did back in the day, right? But then I read you know about the prospect of driverless trucks, and uh, that's scary to me. I'm gonna fly more places if that be the case. But the idea that thousands and thousands of truck driving was a good middle class uh, job that didn't require a lot of education. There's just things are times they are changing, as Bob Dylan noted in the early '60s. Habakkuk is, come, is, is writing in, the, in, in, in a time of, of similar challenge. And he writes this, beginning at verse 16. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree, now listen to these words because this is what gripped my heart. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And this is part of the text. And so as I had these guitar players off in here, I want you to know how important you would have been in ancient Israel for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Stratocaster, Telecaster, Les Paul, right? (laughs) But... Habakkuk is, is, is in this time just before it, you know, if, and there's a timeline of, 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 of him in your notes there, but uh, the Assyrian exile took place in 722 BC and, and Jeremiah starts prophesying about 627 and uh, uh, b- basically Habakkuk begins his ministry 607 BC and, and he's a prophet and prophets are, are those who, who 
basically called, you know, you have the prophet and the priest and the king in the Old Testament. And the prophet holds the priest and the king both accountable. Hold the priest accountable to do their work with purity and with fidelity and faithfulness to God and hold the king uh, accountable as well to follow, faithfully follow Yahweh and to do the will of God as king and to not abuse his office. Uh, Habakkuk comes into ministry with the understanding that God is about to do something and something that is very unsettling. A lot of the angst among the Israelites has to do with the fact that that they see that God has used their enemies as a tool of discipline against them. God has used the Assyrians to 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 chasten them, to 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 put them in check. And God is about to use the Babylonians. Uh, and we find that in, not too long after Habakkuk begins his ministry, and a couple years later, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes in and takes and in the first wave of captivity. Uh, of Judah. That's where you get the book of Daniel because Daniel and his compadres were taken captive during that time. They're carried off. And, and you can imagine the, the, the pain and the, and the unsettling. And, and the, what Habakkuk does is what we should all do. And Habakkuk takes all of his questions, all of his concerns, all of his pain. He takes it to God and he puts it out there, right? I love that about the Old Testament. I grew up in a, in, in a Christian world where everything was so squeaky clean and sanitized. You weren't supposed to question anything, and if you had real faith, you knew, you knew all the answers, and you believed everything implicitly, and you never struggled with nothing because you just said, hallelujah, anyhow, God is in control, whatever, whatever, right? But if you read the Bible carefully, and you read it intelligently, you see that, that the greatest men and women are, of God are those who would dare to challenge, and to question, and to ask, and to seek. Maybe that's why Jesus comes along a little later, and he says, you know, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That's a good thing to do. And so if you've got pain in your life, you take it to God. You don't stuff it. Uh, that's why you don't stop going to church when, when you go through difficult times. I, you know, we say this time and time again. It's like it's the counterintuitive. It, it, it is the wrong thing. It seems intuitive, but it is the, because people do it, but it's the absolute. It's like. When you get sick, I, you know, I'm, si- I, I'm sick, but I'm not going to go to the doctor because I don't want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you're going to have a problem getting, you know, unless you can uh, treat yourself, you may have difficulty. And, and so it, it, it challenges us to, to stay in fellowship and to stay connected and to stay plugged in so that we can and to create an environment. And this is what in, 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 in doing life with our young adult. Uh, ministry doing with, with, with that with, with, with that crowd I, I, I want to create for every uh, every component of our congregation a safe place for people to struggle, a safe place for people to have questions, a safe place for people to hurt and not get not get brushed off and don 't get God talked out of your pain before you have worked through it. You know what i 'm talking about. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling. Well, praise the Lord. You just need to have more faith and believe God better, you know. And no, no, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't play that card. It doesn't work. So, so um, the people of Judah here and Habakkuk as a prophet to, the, to God's people, they're, they're struggling to understand the ways of God and how and why God does what he does. And, 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 and um and early on in, in, in Habakkuk, he's, you know, he's, um, he's, he's basically the book is in the form of a kind of extended prayer. And he says, I've heard the report about you. I've heard about your fame. I've heard about you. And I, and, and I, I fear, uh, I, I, I kind of, I, I tremble in your presence. I, and now he says, you know, here he says, I, I, I convulse to the very depths of my being. 
because he's had this, this encounter with God and he knows something about God and he understands by, by, by this kind of theophany or this appearance of God in his life that God is about to do some amazing and, and fearful things that life as they know it, as he knows it, won't be the same again. And in his humanity, like in you and I have humanity, we're just regular folks, right? I, again, I know church people always say, well, you know, praise the Lord. I know Jesus is going, but the world's going to blow up tomorrow, but I'm just going to be out there. If they start dropping atomic bombs, I'll just be praising the name. No, I won't. I'll be in the house on my knees weeping out and crying. You, you know what I mean? I'm just not that deep. And you ain't either. You can say all that stuff when you're in church, but when stuff really goes down, it's like when, when, you know, when shooting starts, it's like, you know, I'll just stand up to him in Jesus. Now, now you'd be boom. So let's just go to the real and, and leave off the, the, the pretense. And so Habakkuk is saying, you know, listen, I, I'm dealing with this stuff. My heart is, you remember Felix the cat? I mean, you don't remember. Is it my, you, you laugh so hard, your side will ache, your heart will go pitter-patter. I watched Felix the cat for many years. I, that never happened to me. You know, maybe if that happens, you should see a cardiologist. I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 you know, he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm convulsing. I'm, my heart is pounding. I'm, I'm, my, my respiratory rate is increasing. I'm, I'm quivering here because I'm, I'm, he talks about this decay that enters his bones. And he talks about uh, the reality of the coming judgment of God through the Babylonians on me and my people. He's saying, this is... This is scary and it's fearful and I know it's God and I love God and I want God in my life and I want God to do what he wants to do, but it's not a pleasant prospect. I don't know if, well, let me, I'll, let me back up. I have no guarantee that the United States of America in her present form and life as you know it will last forever. I have a strong desire that it would. I love this country. I love this nation. I love life as we know it, right? But look throughout history and nations and civilizations have risen and fallen. Here we're about to see the crumbling of one form of life in Israel. Basically, God blowing it up. The brightest and best carried off. This disorientation will last forever, really. It never will go back to what it was supposed to be in the Old Testament. I don't have a guarantee that life might not change drastically for you and me at some point in our history or for our children, our grandchildren, or great grandchildren. You see what I'm saying? That's the kind of, and, and Habakkuk is seeing things crumble before his eyes. He's seeing God work, and God isn't doing what he, doing it the way he wants to. And I know we have the way we want God to work in the world, and the things we want God to do, and the way we want him to do it, and the way we want it to be, is for us as a people, whatever people we are, we always want our group to be on, in control and be in charge and be on top. We all want it to be on our terms, on our, in, our, in our time frame, and just to, the, you know, to, the, to, to our specification. But Habakkuk is, is coming face to face with the 
disappointment and the despair and the discouragement that comes when you realize you have no control over the circumstances in the world around you. You don't even have that much control over your own. I think I began to really grow up in life when I began to realize how little control I have. So rather than trying to rest on my own ability to control folks and to control things and to control stuff, I realized I had to trust God. I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't make the people in, the wor- in, in my world that I love, I couldn't make them what I wanted them to be. I realized that I, I could love and serve and lay down my life for this congregation, but I can't make this church be what I want it to be. God can make it be what he wants it to be, but I, I only have so much control. A lot of my greatest control, a lot of yours actually comes in surrender and giving up and, and falling into the arms of God and, rely, and rely, relying upon his power. So Habakkuk, Habakkuk, if he look, look, looks ahead and what does he see? He sees his nation heading for destruction. He, he looks within himself and he sees himself trembling with, with fear and trepidation. And then when he looks around him, he sees the world. And as, as Richard mentioned, the economy earlier and, you know, the Dow almost hitting 20,000. And for every positive report we have, there are observers that are warning that, yeah, it's a bubble. I hope it's not. I'm not that heavily invested in the stock market yet. Although, you know, but Habakkuk is seeing the economy is going to, to fail. The, the, the nation is going to be carried off. Everything that, he, the, everything that they depend upon is going away. So maybe I, we shouldn't feel so bad when we get two or three bad days in a news cycle. Maybe we shouldn't feel so bad when things don't go as we would want them to go. Maybe we shouldn't, we shouldn't trip too hard when, when, when our lives are a little bit turbulent because of things in, in relationships and in situations around us because what he's getting ready to see and what he's seeing looking forward is everything in the world around him, life as he knows it, unraveling. But what happens is this. Habakkuk, what, 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 what saves him and what becomes the core of his message is that he's able to look around him by, by faith and see something that he wouldn't otherwise see. Because with his natural eyes, all he's seeing is destruction and disappointment and death and chaos and the fact that God is going to judge Israel and God is going to, to accomplish his purpose and God is going to do what God wants to do because that's who God is. And if he were any less than that, he wouldn't be God, and then he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. If he could be so easily plied by us, if we could just make him, you know, create him in our own image. But since God is God. But he had said this back in, in the second chapter, the fourth verse, Habakkuk, had, and this is what Paul uses in speaking of justification by faith. But, but Habakkuk, came to, he understood this, that, 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 that those who are just before God, they... Live the righteous people, the people that, that, that succeed in their walk with God, they, they live by faith or faithfulness. And so he understands that it is by faith in God and by faithfulness to Yahweh that God's people get over. It is by trust in God 
regardless of circumstances or situations that we prevail. It is by faith in God. And that doesn't always, I got to, I want to make sure that if you sit under my teaching, you understand, I don't, I can't offer you a kind of faith that means you're going to always control, twist God's arm and get it the way you want it. A lot of your journey is going to have to do with you accommodating the things that, the, the realities that you rather wish weren't that way. A lot of the things, there are things you're going, and I know some f- folks like they like to mock Paul with his thorn in his flesh, but God doesn't take every bad thing out your life. God doesn't fix every broken aspect of your life, but God will fix you and make you whole in the midst of it, even though there's brokenness in the world around you. And there are things about you that are impaired, and there are things about you that, that sometimes God will leave in order that you retain that, 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 that thing of trust and dependence on him. I don't know if you hear where, I, where I'm trying to go with this this morning, but, but listen, listen. Uh, he understood that you live by faith. You live by faith. To walk by faith in Habakkuk brings this out. It means that we learn to focus on the greatness and the glory of Father God. It means we begin, we're enabled by, by, the, by the Spirit to see God in His greatness and His grandeur. And we can see as Isaiah did, remember when we preached on Isaiah last year, we see when we're able to get that glimpse of, 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 of heaven where we see the Lord high and lifted up, not low and emaciated, but high and lifted up with His train filling the temple. We understand that I don't, it doesn't matter what happens. God really is in control. It doesn't matter if, I, if I'm comfortable in the moment. God really does have my back. It doesn't matter what God allows me to go through. He will take me through whatever it is and bring me out on the other side and bring me into the purpose that he has for my life. So Habakkuk understood that one of the aspects of faith is to wait Patiently, at one point in the second chapter, he talks about, I'm, I'm going to go up into the watchtower. No, no Jehovah's Witness illusion there reference, okay? But see there, that's what you know. But he said, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what God does. And so you know, he, he understands that one of the things that faithful do is that we wait patiently for God to work. I know we like to make everything happen right now. Yeah. This is, you, you can have it your way and it, we're in this yeah. instantaneous society. Yeah. But he says, I learned to, to wait. As a matter of fact, Habakkuk's name literally means the embracer. That's not like some character in a spy movie. He's the embracer. You know, get to the chapa. I don't know. <laughs> the Terminator and the embracer. That would be a drag. The Terminator is a guy with, you know, he's always like Terminator, the embracer. Hey, that, can I have a hug? You know, <laughs> But his name means the embracer, and, and Charles Spurgeon, great British preacher, says that he truly was one who saw the promises of God afar off and was persuaded of them and embraced them. And so he took, he took hold of, on the goodness of the Lord, and, and Spurgeon says he rested there. And so, so it's for, 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 from Habakkuk, it's kind of like this, Lord, you confuse me. Lord, I'm waiting on you. And then as we get towards the text that we're looking at toward the end of the book, he says, Lord, I praise you. You you understand that? Again, I'd lie to you if I told you that I never felt like, man, Lord, you confused me. How come they succeeded when they did it the way I was taught not to do it and I failed when I did it the way I was told I, I should do it? Why do the bad people get the good breaks and the good people get the foot? Why, why, 
Why does this so-called Christian nation have a problem with racism and bigotry well over 200 years into our history? Why does it go on and on and on? With all of these churches and all these Christian folks, why? I struggled. I said, Lord, wait a minute. They hear, we're hearing from God about everything else. How come nobody will stand up and say, we need to deal with that? Why is that sometimes the church seems to be the, 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 the nexus or the, the, the matrix for a lot of this stuff? I, that's just me. I know none of you struggle like that, but I, see, I struggle with that kind of stuff. And Habakkuk, he said, Lord, I'm confused. Why, why do you use the wicked people? Why would you, why would you use them to, to deal with your, your righteous people, even though we're in, we, we fail? Why would you do that? I don't understand that. But he goes from that to, well, I don't understand why, but I can do one thing, and I, I'm going to wait on you and watch you work. But before he ends, the, 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 before the progression is ended, he gets to this place, and this is what we see here. He says, listen. I am going to praise you. Let me get to the two, two. Let me give you two things. First of all, it's all right to be, to, to be confused. It's all right to struggle. It's all right to question. And it's normal to feel disappointment. But as we get this glimpse into, and in my notes, I just started writing Habby because I didn't want to write Habakkuk over and over again. <laughs> struggle. We learn two important lessons. Number one is this. The first thing he gets from this is that God is our sufficiency. This is the challenge. And one of the problems is that we have so many props and so many things that we, that we lean on and that we stand on and we place our weight on. There's so many. I mean, come on. It's like, what would a day without electricity be like in this society? The grid goes down. I'll, I'll get on my phone and call something. No, you won't. <laughs> call 911. No, you won't. <laughs> what you going to do when the, if the power grid goes down? In the whole region. Oh, I don't know. Well, you drive my car. Okay, until you run out of gas. Well, I'm going to go to gas. Well, the gas pumps run on electricity. I'm going to go to the grocery store and give you some food. Once all the fresh food is given out or sold or handed out, guess what? They don't have no refrigeration. You know, and then, well, they're going to bring more food. Well, where the truck, how the trucks were. And then, the, you know, you think about all the things that God has blessed us, the, the, the infrastructure of the world we live in. And it's wonderful. I thank God for it. But you think about it, man, we're so dependent on so many things other than God. And if those things, if those props were taken away, we'd be in bad shape. But the thing about it is we're probably in worse shape than we realize when we depend on all of those things first. And we put God at the end of the, of, of the, of the process. And what, what Habakkuk is coming to understand is like, I, what I need to realize is that it doesn't matter, is that I lo- you can love your nation, love your government, love your people, love your family, love your job, love the infrastructure, love your phone. I don't care, whatever. It's, use it for what it's, what it's there to be used for, all the stuff. But the bottom line is you, as a follower of God, as, as, a, as, a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's only one place we really can ultimately place our trust. And so the first thing is this, God is our sufficiency. He is more than enough. He's not just enough. That's why he said, he said this, he said, he said, though the fig, do you see, get what he's saying? 
you might like fig newtons, right? He says, but though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines that go outside, all the produce is gone. The fruit trees are bringing nothing. The fields produce no food. There's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. He says, when everything in life, all of the things that I depend on, you know what I'm talking about. When those things are fading and those things are, are insufficient to care for me in that moment, he says, this is the deal. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, that's something that you don't do. That's something you don't do just in your own, in your own self, in your own, I just will do it. No, it's something about, see, Habakkuk has learned this through a relationship with God. Because when you have a relationship with somebody, you get to know who they are. And as you get to know who they are, you learn to trust them. And then God brings you to that point. But that's why you've got to stay plugged into the people of God. That's why you've got to stay connected. That's why you've got to stay in the word. That's why you have to stay on your face before God. Because that's what's going to move you to that place where you're able to see above the fray and realize... That man is nothing. I, I, I thank God for all the props in my life and all the trappings of my existence. But there's nothing and no one ultimately I can depend on other than God. My sufficiency is of Christ, as Paul would say. And so, though if, so for you as a child of God, for me as a child of God, the point is this. If everything in your life fails, you've got to come to the point where you say, listen, I will rejoice in God. If everything fails, you have to come to that point where you realize... That God is my strength, he's my refuge, he's my fortress. And that's where Habakkuk gets to in this, in the, in this prophecy. He gets to this point, he says, listen, all the, if, if, you know, because this is an agrarian people. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of, they're, they're agrarian like we're electronic or digital, right? It's like if all the stuff that we depend on, the world as we know it, if it all fails and breaks down, somehow by the, by the grace of God, I'm going to find it in me to rejoice in God because I realize that God is more than enough. That's what Paul was getting at in Romans, the eighth chapter. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, listen, I understand this, that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul was getting after. He realized, you know, neither life nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things future. There's nothing that can come between my relationship with God. There's nothing that can cut me off from the life of God as I place my trust in him. And so it says to us, doesn't it, that in the moment, no matter what the storm is in our lives, no matter what the current disappointment is, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the affliction is, that, you know, it will pass. It will pass. And it's God's presence and God's comfort that will sustain us. He says in 3.6, he says this of God. He said, he stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. What a picture of God. Just, I mean, a, a brief but concise picture. He says, it's like, so, you know, next time we have a, a, what they call a tembler. We call them earthquakes, right? We live in L.A. No big deal, right? Earthquake, hey, it's like surfing, right? So, so God stood, that's just God standing up. Anthropomorphically. But he says, God stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. In other words, God is like above and more powerful and greater and bigger than anything else. He said, the, the, ancient, the ancient mountains crumbled and the age old hills collapsed. All this stuff in God's wake is like God is moving through his creation, so to speak, right? He's giving us a picture, right? And he says, and he says because he's so mighty, he said, but he just, he just marches on forever. It's like, you know, Mr. Beat, he never stops. 
you know, I'm not going to say God is like that energizer bunny. That would be sacrilegious. But God is greater than anything like that. God just goes. He because that's, how, how do you how do you do it? How do you deal with the fact? You know, what's his name? His name is I am. My name is I am for another by the grace of God. Forty years. My name is I am Charles. My name is I am here today. My name is I am pastor. Play a little piano on the side, right? God is like, no. You don't know my name? My name is I am. In other words, the self-existent one. I am all, all, I am all by myself. I am the creator and the sustainer and the ruler of the universe. I am, I am all in all. I, I am. He just is. Yahweh is, is, is getting to this. He's understanding this. And, and, and let me just, and, and I've got a few more minutes here. Look at the the language that he says. Let me go back to that verse. He says, uh, he says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, all that stuff. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in uh, in God, my savior. You notice that the first of all, in the kind of a Hebrew parallelism there, he's saying it two ways. But an an older um, Bible uh, teacher, G. Campbell Morgan and I put, there's an extensive quote in there, uh, and I won't read the whole quote, but he uh, t- talked about the Hebrew words here. And the first word for uh, I will rejoice, he says is this. Literally, it goes like this. It means this. I will jump for joy in the Lord. I will. That's, this is what Habakkuk is saying. He says, the world around me falls apart. I'm going to jump for joy in the Lord. Don't worry, I'm not going to start jumping up here today. <laughs> I don't want you to think that it was a minor earthquake on this platform. But the second word that says, I will be joyful, it literally means in the Hebrew, according to Morgan, I will spin round in the God of my salvation. And there's a song about you spin me right round, round, round. It was a terrible song. Hate that song. I actually saw a Christian version of that song, too. It was terrible. (laughs) But he's saying... When the bottom falls out of life, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump for joy in the Lord. I'm going to, then don't worry, I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to spin round in the God of my salvation. And Campbell actually writes with a bit of British wit here. He says, do you, does that seem as though I were spoiling a great passage? I think some of these passes, passages need spoiling in this way. In these preeminently respectable days when congregations are shocked if a man say amen. This is 19th century Britain, right? And so he talk, makes the case for exuberant joy. That's what he's saying. He says, I'm, I'm going I'm to jump for joy. I'm going to spin round no matter what. And again, you can't do that in your own strength. You do that by the strength of God in your life. And then the second point that he gets to, and I'm almost done, is he wants us to realize this. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to realize my sufficiency in God, and then I'm going to do this. He says, I, I realize this, that the sovereign Lord is my strength, and I would add this, my security and my stability. He says, he's my strength. And look what he says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Some of the older translations say like hind's feet, which is a doe, a, de- a deer, a female deer. Right? Uh, he enables me to tread on the heights. I, I don't know if you get what he's saying here, but that, that female deer, the hind, if you would, was a, is a sure-footed animal. I need, that's one thing you got when you talk about, you know, the whole armor of God, talk about feet fitted with the 
what you know, uh, uh, whatever you know. And I uh, talk about uh, talk about shoes, and I talked about the fact that you know you really need to wear the right kind of shoes. To, you know, I, I you probably don't want to go hiking in the mountains with like flip flops, right? You probably don't want to go mountain biking uh, in uh, in Bruno Mali's. I don't know. You know. And, and the female deer had this sure-footedness, and we need to be sure-footed. We need stability. We need security. He says, what God does for me is that he enables me to find my sufficiency in him, but then he, he gives me that sense of security and stability. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I can climb, and I can move, and I can, I can manage life, and I can stand and in, in the midst of the changing terrain and I can, I can climb and I can, I can do stuff because he, he gives me that sense of stability, that, that sure-footedness, if you will. What a confidence that he has. This is what God does. Sure-footedness. And so, all that being said, here's the deal. You, you get what Habakkuk is saying? So, this week, as you go off into your life, we get this brief hiatus, and I think I'm grateful that all of you avail yourself of the opportunity to come together as the people of God, to worship, to rejoice, to sing songs that may be a key too high for you and maybe a little bit too fast for you. But the band is probably too loud half the time. But you know they love to play. They, we. But you, and yeah. You saw how we did that now, see? Uh, but you came. There are a lot of you that will be with me on Wednesday night as we're teaching the Bible. A lot of you that were here last night. You came. And in those, you're going to get in that moment. You get, you get this 90-minute hiatus from your life, except that many of you are probably getting texts and emails about stuff. Your job is probably tech. Chrissy's job is probably trying to get in touch with you right now. Where are you? We got work for you to do. You're right. It's kind of crazy like that sometimes. But you, 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 get, give, you give God the space. But then you go back out and in a few moments we get out of here. And we go back into our lives. We go back to the home. We go to the job tomorrow. We go, into, we go back and, and pull out the bills. Or we stumble over the pile of unopened bills by the door. That's terrible. Don't ever do that. But I know people that do that because it's, I have an, uh, uh, how, how, you know, how, why could you cut my electricity off? Well, we sent you a notice. I didn't open the notice. Well, it doesn't matter. We sent it to you. As you go back, remember, remember Habakkuk. Remember that what God wants to build into you is this kind of dynamic where you're, you're enabled to say that no matter what is going on in my life, yet I will. When things are seeming to fall apart in my world, yet I will rejoice. That's what, that's what I want in my life. I want to be able to jump for joy even when things are messed up. I want to be able to spin around. You, you may not want to see that. It may not be pretty. And I might knock some stuff down. But I want to be so firmly anchored in, in the sense of my sufficiency coming from God that no matter what I'm faced with, I'm able to, to say with, with, with Habakkuk, yet I will rejoice. When people let you down and people will let you down, yet I will rejoice. When 
your fortunes change and things that have been working for you no longer work for you. Yet I will rejoice. When when, when doors that seem wide open have shut in your face, yet I will rejoice. When, 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 When family members have turned their back on you and treated you crazy, yet I will rejoice. When it seems that the, that the nations have lost their collective minds and everybody is going crazy, yet I will rejoice. Father, we thank you for Habakkuk's journey, for his transparency, for his honesty. We thank you that he is so real about what he's observing, he's living in this incredible time. Just a couple of years before this, this, this big deal, this invasion of, uh, of, of, of Judah by, by, by Babylon, which becomes a real turning point in, in, in Israel's history and shapes a lot of the, the world and the worldview that we embrace as we go forward into the Gospels as, as Jesus comes. The reason things are the way they are by that time is because of what's going on now. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, today, as we stand in this place, we ask that you would give us that kind of resolve that we, 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 we can say. And, and it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's a product of relationship. It's a gift that comes through a life lived, turned toward God and reaching out to God and open to you and to your word. Yet, I will rejoice. Give us that kind of faith. Give us that kind of confidence. Give us that kind of sure-footedness in life to where we can stand on the solid ground. We can say, as the hymn writer said, on Christ the solid rock I stand. I don't stand on the economy. I'll use the economy and participate. I don't stand on it. I don't stand on politics. I'll participate in the system and, and be a part of it. But I don't stand on that rock. I don't stand on the rock of popular culture, although I'm a part of it. But I stand on one thing and my feet are sure-footed on this one thing. And that is the righteousness that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, you're bringing us back as we lose sight of this. And we live in affluent times when we live in. I know not all of us are affluent, but we live in a relatively affluent society, so to speak. And we've got a lot of comforts, even those of us who are not as well off or struggling. We still, you know, we're we're lulled into complacency because we do have. I don't got much else, but I got my smartphone. I can tell you what the weather's going to be tomorrow with the, you know, with two or three taps. Lord, we, we, we're lulled into complacency, but you're bringing us back to that place to realize that, you know what, as the people of God, we need to set our sights on you. And we need to place our trust and our hope in you and you alone. And so when we get to that place, then we can say, no matter what, though the fig tree doesn't bud and the, and the, the grain doesn't grow and the, there's no cows in the stall, there's no money in the bank, there's no this or that, whether the, the market crashes or the market succeeds, whether houses prices go, keep going up or whether they, the bottom falls out, whether no matter what, Lord, yet I will rejoice in you. And as I conclude today, I believe, Lord, that, that as we develop that kind of perspective, that you will draw people to us and to your church because people are looking for stuff beyond, they're looking for answers beyond that which they see. They're looking for things that are eternal. They're, eternal. they're looking for things that are transcendent. People are looking to find reality and meaning. And, I, and, and even the average sinner probably kind of knows that, 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 that you really probably don't want to put your hope in Apple or Google 
we, we use those things, those products and those services. But, Lord, again, may we put our hope and our trust in you. 